Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Listen in as your host, Jimmy Atkinson, invites industry leaders to share their best OZ insights and investment strategies. From market updates to fund launches, policy news, tax mitigation strategies, and more, we cover it all here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm Jimmy Atkinson. And my guest today is Noah Weiss from Atlas Real Estate Partners. He joins me today from New York City. Noah, you were great on OZ Pitch Day a few weeks back. It's great to have you on the podcast now. How are you doing? And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Fantastic. Thanks for asking. Okay, Noah. So uh, given our economic climate, we have rapidly rising interest rates, high inflation, uh, the equities markets have been in turmoil uh, since the beginning of the year. We're, we're, we've been in a bear market. Why is now a good time to launch an opportunity zone fund? So, that's a great question, Jimmy. Um, so you know, we're, we're long-term holders, right? We're long-term investors. We're going to be holding these assets for 10 plus years. And, and the simple fact is just because it cap rates are, have changed or interest rates have changed, nobody nobody knows anything more about interest rates or cap rates at the time of our exit or refi than they did six months ago or a year ago. Um, and so nothing has really changed with our long-term outlook, especially with our thesis in the Southeast with significantly growing population and job growth. Um, and so nothing has changed about our thesis. Uh, you know, we are seeing a huge influx of you know, potential deals that are, that are in the market that are in fantastic locations. We think that right now is, is just the time to strike with regards to high quality locations. We're raising a boutique fund of only four to six uh, assets. And so we need the best of the best locations. And so right now is the best time to actually get those locations given you know, there's fear in the market and people are stepping back and supply is crumbling in terms of it, new supply. And so we would rather, and given that it's much harder to get a deal off the ground today, uh, we, we would much rather be one of those deals they get off the ground when nobody else is delivering into dearth of supply rather than uh, delivering when everybody else is. And so, you know, given that there is fear in the market, given that we do have a very conservative leverage stack uh, that isn't as impacted by the, the current changes in interest rates and debt availability, uh, we think now is the perfect time to strike. Yeah, a lot of people are fearful right now. A lot of uncertainty in the markets, for sure. Uh, uncertain times that we're in since the start of the year when the uh, economy really started turning south, when the when the markets really started turning south. Uh, you know, with with that said, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I misspoke. I said, why is it a good time to buy assets? You mentioned good time to buy land. And that's important because, uh, you know, opportunity zone deals essentially have to be uh, ground up construction uh, the vast majority of the time, unless you're able to do substantial improvement on on assets. But that can be tough to do uh, with multifamily a lot of the time. Uh, let's let's talk about rising interest rates for a moment. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things happening with our economy right now, but I want to focus in on interest rates. The Fed has ha made several very steep and quick interest rate hikes over the last few months. I think uh, we're recording this right now in mid-November. I think they've done four hikes of 75 basis points already this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's all designed to control inflation, but does it possibly have the unintended effect of constricting housing supply given rates are going up so much that leads to 
higher cost of debt. It's harder to get new construction off the ground, harder to get these, these uh, multifamily and buildings and really all types of real estate, but I'm essentially focusing in on residential real estate. It's harder to get those types of properties built, which could then lead to more undersupply, leading to an increase in rent. And essentially it's, it might end up causing uh, housing costs to inflate even further. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you agree with what I said there? Is there any truth in that? I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, the only way to keep rents in check is is to deliver on the supply side. The reason why rents were increased so fast, so far across a wide a wide swath of, of the country is that there just wasn't enough supply, right? You take three to five million dollars, yep, three to five million unit shortfall net nationally. You have a pipeline of of, of deals that are no longer happening. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the interest rate environment, both in terms of the level of interest rates themselves, as well as the disruption in the capital markets in general. Um, the things aren't trading, loans aren't happening it, 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 for a lot of people. We haven't used very conservative debt. Um, so we're still be able, able to access it. But a lot of people just can't survive on 55, 60% LTV loans. And so you have people like us who are going to be going forward and, and moving forward in these markets. We have a 10 plus year hold, but you have a lot of merchant builders that they're trying to underwrite to three to five year exits that can't, who knows what cap rates are going to be in three to five years from now, right? Why would you ever start a project right now versus a very few amount of opportunities on investors who both, you know, have the capitalization to move forward in a time like this, um, you know, as well as leverage levels. Uh, but if you think about all of that marginal supply that's not happening, rents will increase significantly, right? You still have the same tailwinds you had before. You still have the same jobs that are being created in a lot of these southeastern markets, which is going to put a lot of pressure, new population into the markets, which means this, that rents are going to increase at a much faster pace now uh, with that lack of supply. And so, yes, absolutely. With CPI, the way they measure it and housing being the primary component, and then you have that being increasing at a faster rate than otherwise would have been expected because of the supply constraints, you're going to have an inflationary impact on that as well. Not to mention the inflationary impact of all the other capacity that should have been delivered into the system, you know, across the, the rest of the supply chain, it's not going to happen. And so I think they're taking a lot of, they're, they're obviously stuck between a rock and a hard place with trying to bring down short-term inflation but I do think that there's going to be a lot of long-term consequences to the current policy if they don't bring rates down, um, you know, in a reasonable manner. Yeah, we're definitely in a tough place, and it'll be uh, interesting to see how that unfolds over the coming months and years ahead. I did want to shift gears now and focus in on your strategy at Atlas Real Estate Partners, specifically your Opportunity Zone strategy. Uh, you guys, your firm, are delivering multifamily in the Southeast. Uh, what are you, what do you like about the Southeast, geographically speaking? And then second part of my question, what do you like about the multifamily asset class? Sure. And so the Southeast has been our focus from day one. Uh, we really had the thesis of uh, low-income states with sunshine and you know, see where the population goes. And we've been proven, and we started investing there a bit way back in the day. We just sold an asset for an eight times multiple because we held it for 10 years. Um, and so, you know, we, we've always been long-term holders and have always had a long-term thesis on these markets. 
And so the Opportunity Zone program is a perfect fit for the way that we manage deals in general. But in terms of the of, of the Southeast, not only do you have that population growth with low income taxes and, and population growth because of the sunshine, et cetera, but now you have real companies moving there as well. And, you know, for instance, we have two deals in, in Atlanta. One's about to start construction and the other one is currently under control. You've got, you know, companies like Microsoft that are bringing 15,000 uh, employees, highly paid employees, you know, right down the street from our projects. And so uh, you have an, what that impact is on a company like that going to a market like that. Home Depot is currently the third largest employer. Microsoft is about to be tied with them. So adding another Home Depot into a city like Atlanta, you can see how that is going to have an outsized rank growth. And you, have, you see those types of moves being played out across a couple of different markets in the Southeast. And so, you know, we think that this long-term income taxes, great quality of life, and an additional corporate growth will, will then yield more additional corporate growth. And so, which is why we love the Southeast. Um, in terms of the multifamily though, we're becoming a nation of renters. We, I think we had talked on the lack of affordability in housing earlier in terms of you know, rising rates and how that's going to impact rising rents. You know, with the current rents environment, so rates environment, the affordability of homes is is going absolutely just plummeting. And so you had over call it 80 million people that couldn't afford a medium home going into 2022. With the rates have now gone to you know whatever seven percent whatever it is today, that's gone this balloon through the roof, and so that's really caused a ton of of, of long term demand uh, for rental housing. Uh, so people are going to be staying in rental housing for a much longer. Um, it's going to reduce turnover. You're going to have an, an outsized increase in rents because the gap between affordability of, of rental versus ownership has just never been <clears throat> higher, quite frankly. And so we think that it's long-term, you know, steady cash flows, steady returns uh, with outsized cash flow increases uh, delivers a superior risk-adjusted return for our investors. Yeah, and it's no surprise that multifamily is the most popular asset class for Opportunity Zone deals to date so far. It seems like, uh, and just anecdotally speaking, it seems like the vast majority of funds that I interact with and Atlas uh, included in that uh, is is doing at least something with multifamily, and it is, you know, very much needed uh, all across this country. Uh, a huge undersupply, as as we have already hit on. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Atlas Real Estate Partners. Can you give me the backstory? Who are you guys? When were you founded? What's what's your history, basically? Sure, we were founded in 2009 by Arvin Chari and Alex Foster. Uh, we were we've always been focused on kind of kind of deal by deal execution, multifamily, Southeast. And we've done approximately 50 plus deals, primarily in the Southeast, primarily multifamily. And you know, total capitalization of about $1.5 billion. Uh, we are a team evenly located between New York and Miami. Um, the Miami team, the Miami team obviously supports a lot of our development and, and value add strategy. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we do. We've historically grown a lot through the um, <clears throat> partnering with, with with local developers and local partners. Uh, we have a huge expertise in that, uh, but at the same time, we have a vertically integrated development team. And so, you know, we have this kind of unique 
purview where we have capital vertical integration, but also the ability to partner with, with, with folks on the ground uh, with a very kind of best-in-class team. And so we bring a lot of uh, value to our investors as well as to our partners. Good. Well, let me ask you about those partners in a moment here, but uh, I want to talk about what you guys are doing now with this relatively new Opportunity Zone Fund. You mentioned that historically you focused on raising and developing on a deal-by-deal -deal basis, but now... Uh, you have a what you referred to on OZ Pitch Day uh, the other day as a direct to sponsor Opportunity Zone fund. So what what's the benefit of having a fund right now versus what you've historically done, which has been on a deal by deal basis? Sure. And so again, we've historically done a deal by deal raise, uh, which means you have to be hyper focused on on making sure you have to check every box, you know, dot every I, cross every T in terms of the fundraise. Uh, and so that's in our DNA, it's in our blood of, of, of doing that. And that's exactly how we um, kind of approach the Opportunity Zone investment environment and the way we run the fund. But why a fund? There's a lot of opportunities coming our way. Uh, the, the time to strike is now, and sometimes timing uh, and the ability to get things done is, is everything. It's just in terms of being able to get the best sites. It's a boutique, we have a boutique fund, right? It's only $100 million. Um, and we're all going to be doing, you know, four to six assets within the fund. And so we're going to be doing the best of the best deals, you know, within our target markets. Uh, but in order to get the best of the best deals, you have to be able to compete uh, on timing and speed and, and all those things. And having that discretionary capital will allow us to do that. And so you have four to six deals within that fund. What's the status of it right now? Do you have any deals identified in the pipeline or are you still doing due diligence on, on your pipeline? Where, where are you guys at right now? Yeah, so we have three deals currently under contract or under control. Um, you know, one deal in Charleston, South Carolina, one deal in Atlanta, and another deal between Savannah and Hilton Head. Good, and then, and and then probably, probably one to other, three more that you'll you'll identify? Correct, and we have other deals in the pipeline that are either you know, LOI negotiations, et cetera, but are not currently under contract. Good. Um, well, let's talk about your partners now. You mentioned them a few minutes ago. Uh, who are some of the partners that you're working with at Atlas and, and what is the importance of, of forming those partnerships? Sure. And so you know, we've partnered with folks on, across a, a variety of different verticals historically, uh, value-add, um, primarily geographically focused partners, as well as you know ground-up uh, partners. So we can kind of take our partners within a couple of different buckets. Um, but the reason why we do partner with folks is local execution is very, very important to us. And so when, so we will, we do have an in-house development team, but having local expertise and having the ability and have the eye of someone who knows what, what sells in the market, knows the local politicians, knows all those different people, gives us a huge competitive advantage in reducing the risks that a lot of people take when developing. And so having partners is actually a huge value add and having the in-house mechanisms to actually manage those folks, you know, people actually know what they're doing in terms of development, uh, basically provides the best of both worlds of, of having a super regional focused uh, you know, investor like us, as well as I should say super regional developer such as us, uh, partnering with super local uh, developers um, provides a really great outcome for for our investors. And what about your capital base? Where are you sourcing uh, your equity from primarily? Who who are your investors, in other words? 
So our investors, so you know, we started this business in 2009. We built up a huge, huge network of high net worth individuals and family offices uh, that have historically funded us on a deal by deal basis. But as our deals have gotten larger <clears throat> and as our execution has just gotten way better, uh, we've also attracted a lot of institutions as well, uh, whether it be through other QOFs that invest in our deals or kind of larger institutions. Uh, you know, for instance, we've done a deal with Angela Gordon um, and some other kind of higher name uh, firms. Good. Well, uh, what about opportunity zones now? Because what you guys are, you guys have been doing uh, deals since '09. Uh, you guys predate opportunity zones. You've you've been around the block a few times, but opportunity zones came around a few years ago, and now you're launching your OZ fund. What is it about the opportunity zone policy or incentive that uh, drew your attention to it? What do you like about opportunity zones? I think it's just an alignment of interests, right? So we, we've always been invested as a long-term thesis and we immediately were drawn to the Opportunity Zone uh, marketplace because it allowed us to do what we were doing on the value add side, but on the development side. And so what we did is we took that, that, that expertise in multifamily, that housing that we had honed for with over you know, 50 deals and put that into development. And so, by being incentivized to hold over 10 years, allowed us to attract the right capital that actually formed, that actually was you know, in line with how we thought real estate should be held. So again, you know, we think that real estate is best owned long-term, especially in a high, you know, high growth market. And when, when opportunity zones, that's exactly lines up with, with what your interests are as an investor. And as we think as, as you know, responsible stewards of capital, in terms of what makes the most wealth for our investors, which is you know holding it long term, and so this is kind of a perfect marriage. Now, uh, I mean, we also get to it. Um, we also, I would say, another part of our our, our thesis is, you know, I, I would say, our, our, I mean, this might be repetitive if anybody's seen my pitch, but you know, our, our deals have kind of a pervasive theme in terms of you know what they do. Um, you know, our markets have, you know, strong long-term dem- demographic tailwinds. Um, our sites are soon to be core locations and our design is timeless, but authentic uh, to the locations we build in. And our properties have a broad appeal across a wide, a wide range of ventures. And we were able to do that with kind of the value add strategy. But in terms of development, this, the opportunity zone actually allows us to deliver that, um, you know, currently with, with, with development. And so, it's been a great program that I think has aligned our, our interests well, uh, simply, but maybe not so simply, but. Right, but you put it well. So well, uh, we, we talked about multifamily as the, the broad property type that Atlas is developing now, but uh, most of it, or if not all of it, is affordably priced. Uh, uh, um, workforce housing or, or affordable housing, or you used the term with me before we hit the record button a few minutes ago, naturally attainable housing. What can you tell my listeners and me about this property type and, and why is it so crucial at this point in time that more of this type of product get delivered? Sure. So you know, we, we've never been focused on kind of top of market pricing. Uh, we think that it kind of attracts too narrow of a renter base. Uh, what we like to do is target, uh, we would say naturally rent attainable housing or naturally attainable housing or um, what that allows us to do is kind of target uh, chunk rents that are much less. 
And so in a period of time where the cost of everything else is going up, you know, having your rent as a significantly smaller portion of your income allows for two things. One, much broader demand for your unit. So, you know, theoretically we lease up faster than somebody who's got rents 20% higher than ours. Two, gives us room to raise rents. <laughs> and so, you know, um, and so when you have, uh, you're delivering a product that you know, your chunk rents are a significantly lower portion of people's incomes, you solve a lot of things. And, you know, we have assets across our portfolio. This is exactly what we see, where we're either the low cost provider or the uh, the high value provider, where people are willing or you know, not necessarily paying, you know, the top of market rents, but they're getting a product that, you know, is very livable. You know, they, they love living there, reduces the turnover, um, and also kind of reduces their marketing costs. And so, you know, we believe, do believe in giving back to the community. Um, and so, you know, delivering products that are rent attainable, we think both does that as well. And in working with local governments, you can see the excitement on their faces when they say you're delivering that type of product um, or, you know, you're actually helping us fulfill our goals. Uh, it's great to see you know, their reactions to that, but also, you know, just as a company, we like to give back to the community and, um, you know, we have a couple of different corporate initiatives that we we like to touch on, and a lot of it has to do with housing, housing and security. Well, let's let's touch on those in a moment. Uh, but I want to talk one more minute here about opportunity zones and fundraising. You know, given the challenges that we discussed at the start of the episode today, uh, what are some of the specific challenges that you have faced so far in raising? for a qualified opportunity fund right now as, as we approach the end of 2022, given where we are? Sure. I mean, uh, I think that it, it would not be an exaggeration to say that there's less capital gains today than there were six, six plus months ago. And so, yeah, so there's, I would say that, that folks that are investing, um, some of them are, are still writing the same size checks as they used to. Uh, those just happen to be very wealthy people. But some people just don't have as many gains as, as they used to. And, and some people are pulling back in terms of the risk profile. Maybe ground up isn't as, um, it doesn't fit their liquidity needs at the moment. Um, and as well as just the size of the gains are, are might be lower. But you know, given that we have the product that we do, we're still getting a ton of traction in terms of, but it's probably more investors with maybe slightly smaller checks um, and having to go a little bit beyond our, our current investor base. That, that makes sense. That's understandable. I think uh, the economy will continue to kind of uh, ebb and flow in this uh, this investment vehicle or, or or policy opportunity zones, whatever you want to call it, will continue to evolve over the coming years. Well, you hinted a moment ago, Noah, about how you and your firm Atlas likes to give back to the community. And uh, you, you guys are participating in an interesting way to give back to your community a real estate executive sleep out that you're participating in uh, very soon here. What can you tell us about that? Sure. So eight years ago, uh, we actually co-founded the real estate executive sleep out in, in conjunction with the Covenant House. Uh, Covenant House provides you know, housing and um, services to homeless youth across the country. Um, I think actually internationally as well. What we do every year is we actually sleep on the streets <laughs> and raise money uh, for Covenant House uh, with a bunch of other real estate executives. Uh, we've raised over $3 million in the past eight years. Uh, this year, I think we've raised over $50,000, just, just Atlas. Uh, and with the rest of our, our you know, the, the, the people involved is obviously significantly more than that. And so, yeah, so everybody gives up their bed for a night. Um, it's going to be 35 degrees 
in New York City on, on, on Thursday. And so I'm trying to stay healthy so I don't get pneumonia, but it's always a great experience, uh, at least, uh, you know, emotionally. Well, that sounds uh, very worthwhile and good luck and, and try to keep warm out there. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today, Noah. Thanks for all your insights. And, and again, thanks for uh, partnering with us on OZ Pitch Day a few weeks back. It was great having you there as well. Before I let you go today, if we have any listeners or viewers out there who are interested in learning more about you or Atlas Real Estate Partners, where can they go to learn more? Sure. So we have uh, two websites. One is specifically for the OZ Fund, and it's Atlas Rep. R-E-P-O-Z.com. So atlasrepoz.com. And the other one is just uh, atlasrep.com. And then you can email us at investors at atlasrep.com. Fantastic. Uh, for our listeners and viewers out there, of course, as always, I'll have show notes available for today's episode at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there I'll make sure that we have links to all of the resources that Noah and I discussed on today's show. And I'll be sure to link to that email address and the Atlas websites as well. And please be sure to subscribe to Opportunity DB on YouTube or your favorite podcast listening platform to always get the latest episodes. Noah, again, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Ab. Thank you for having me. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. You can access our show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com forward slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode. 